Hello, and welcome to the Candy Gibbs Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about upcoming events, this podcast, and for other resources, visit candygibbs.com. Well, welcome to the podcast today. I am so honored and thrilled for you to be able to meet uh, my friend, Dr. Ronnie Jackson. And I, every time that I have opportunity to be with him, I always wonder how I should address him because he is such an incredible American. Um, he is a rear admiral. He has worked as the doctor at the White House and served several presidents. Um, he's a fellow Aggie. I have two Aggies right now, so that's meaningful to me. But um, I am thrilled for you to get to know him because I have had the opportunity to visit with Dr. Jackson several times and am just so impressed by um, not only his all of his background and accolades, but just the humility and genuine spirit that he has is such a blessing and refreshing to me um, as someone who cares very much about the panhandle of Texas. So Dr. Jackson is in a runoff for the Republican uh, slot running for the 13th Congressional District. That's right. Is that right? That's right. Okay, so we are just really excited to hear from you. And my first question for you today, Dr. Jackson, is what would you like voters to know about you? Maybe some things that um, you don't think people do know. Well, thank you, Katie, for having me. I think the one thing that I would like voters to know is that I'm one of you. You know, I was born and raised here in the Texas Panhandle, and uh, I uh, left here 25 years ago when I joined the United States Navy, and I uh, came straight back, straight back to Amarillo, where I live now. I live here in Amarillo, and I came back the second I got out of the military. Actually, even a few weeks uh, or a couple of months before I got out, as soon as I got my authorization to make my final move, I uh, moved uh, my family back here to Amarillo. So I live here now. I'm in, I'm in Amarillo. I'm, I'm uh, from this area, and I'm just really, really proud to be back home. Can you tell us a little bit about your family? You have some incredible kiddos. Your wife is precious. I'd like you to tell us a little bit about them. I do have a wife, uh, Jane. We've been married 27 years. We met at a and uh, I was her resident advisor and I uh, was uh, lucky enough to be the one to check her into her room and that's how we met. <laughs> and uh, we have three kids. We have a 17-year-old son who's in high school who wants to go to the Naval Academy and, uh, and or Texas A&M. Uh, and he wants to ultimately be a, 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 a helicopter pilot with the Marine Corps and fly Cobra helicopters. That's uh, what he really wants to do. I have a, a son that's uh, a little bit older than him that's 23 right now that graduated from the Naval Academy in 2018 and is now a platoon leader with SEAL Team 3. Oh, and so he's so out cool. protecting our country. And I have a, a daughter who's uh, 24 who uh, has her MBA and she works for the National Security Agency right now. So she's protecting our country in her own way. So yeah, three great kids, uh, all, uh, you know, uh, two of them serving our country currently and one of them uh, looking to serve our country soon. That's incredible. And I just want to say thank you for your service and for the service of your family. And I'm glad that you brought out that you are from this area and you came back. This isn't like you went and lived in Ohio building some kind of a business. You've been serving our country all of your life. That's right. And it would be such an honor to have you serve um, us in this political arena. We're excited about the possibilities. Thank you. Um, because we are a Christian organization, that is paramount to what we do here at Hope Choice, would you be comfortable sharing with us a little bit about your faith or your testimony? 
Sure. You know, I was uh, I was raised in the Church of Christ, and I think uh, most folks around here uh, know know what the Church of Christ is, and uh, you know are familiar with the Church of Christ. Uh, if you go up in the Northeast, unfortunately, you, you know it's hard to find a Church of Christ up there. But down here, when I came back home, uh, you know, I was googling, uh, you know, before I got here, where I was going to maybe go to church, and I googled Church of Christ, and there were like twenty three Church of Christ <laughs> in Amarillo, Texas. I was like, wow, I'm back home. So. Uh, but no, I, the first time I had ever attended church service, I think I was probably three days old on a Wednesday evening. Uh, I was, you know, I I grew up going to church, uh, you know, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, no exceptions, and uh, nothing was more important than uh, attending church service and being with the church. And uh, so uh, I have pretty conservative roots. Uh, I, uh, you know, I'm a member of the church, uh, uh, you know, my entire life, and we've always uh, made sure that no matter even when we lived overseas. Uh, we sought out uh, the Church of Christ, uh, and we found uh, people that, uh, if we couldn't find an actual church, we found people that believed as we did, and we met together uh, every Sunday and had church service. So uh, I, I'm a strong Christian. I believe that uh, God uh, dictates what happens in our life. I think that uh, you know, it's no accident that I'm back here in the 13th Congressional District of Texas and running for office here. I think that uh, I haven't always known where the Lord's going to, you know, what path he's going to provide me. Sometimes uh, the path that I uh, had picked is not the path that he picked for me and uh, he uh, rerouted me. And uh, But uh, one thing's always led to another and it's just, it's always worked out for me and it's always been because God's led me uh, to where he wants me to be. And I feel like, uh, I feel like I have an ability to make a difference here and uh, that's part of what this is about. I think that's awesome. And one of the things that you shared with me in a previous conversation was that uh, in your early college years, late high school, uh, you struggled a little bit. I did, yeah. I was. Uh, I, my my folks will be the first to tell you I was a little bit of the black sheep of the family. I uh, I had to figure things out the hard way sometimes, like so many of us do. But uh, there comes a point in your life where you know your roots and the way that you were raised and the faith that was instilled in you, you know, as a child, uh, really makes a difference. And uh, you can uh, ignore that at certain points in your life. But if you have a strong, uh, you know, faith and a strong Christian foundation, uh, you will find your way back. And that's what happened to me. And uh, I, uh, I found my way back uh, uh, to the Lord and on the straight and narrow and started, uh, you know, doing what I was supposed to be doing and what the Lord was, uh, you know, uh, wanting me to do and, 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 not, uh, and not on my own agenda anymore. One thing that Dr. Jackson told me that just impressed me so much is that he put himself through school by working as a sacker at United Grocery Stores and working in the oil fields. That's right. I started working. I, I pretty much had a full-time job since I was 13 or 14 years old. And I mean full-time. I mean, by the time I was 14, I was working anywhere from 32 to 60 hours a week, sacking, checking, stocking groceries at United. Yeah, and uh, that's how I paid for everything I had. And uh, I just had choices to make early on. My, I come from a pretty blue-collar background. My father's an electrician. My mom's a homemaker. And uh, they always put food on the table, but we didn't have a lot of extra income. And so if I wanted anything uh, beyond uh, just the basics, uh, you know, including a, a car and, you know, paying for my own insurance and all those kinds of things that, it, that make uh, having a car possible, that all had to come from me. So I, I worked hard for that, but that meant I didn't go to football practice or baseball practice. I went straight to work at the grocery store when I got out of school. And I did that all the way up until I was probably uh, 18 uh, 18 years old or so, right as I was graduating from high school. And then I went to work as a roustabout out in the oil field. And uh, there was a lot more money to be made out in the oil field. And that's how I paid for my college education. That's awesome. And you grew up in Leveland. I sure did. And your yep. family, you still have your parents there, right? My parents are still in Leveland. And I have uh, family members that are strung out all throughout the Panhandle in uh, up near Lake Meredith, in uh, Borger, uh, Canyon, 
uh, around the Hereford area, just kind of all over Tulia, places uh, kind of all over the place. Uh, my dad had eight brothers and sisters, so I have uh, just uh, tons and tons of cousins. I love that. I also love that you worked hard to achieve what the Lord was calling you to do, and that is definitely uh, what I consider to be a panhandle of Texas characteristic, that we know how to work hard and get the job done, and I appreciate that very much about you. Um, what do you think are the three biggest issues facing the Texas panhandle, and any thoughts on how you might address those? Well, I tell you, you know, a lot of times people ask you that question, and, and people come up with big policy things, you know, like uh, uh, health care and immigration and things of that nature, which I, I'll talk about in just a minute, but I think the biggest problem that's facing the panhandle right now is the moral decay of this country that's taking place in the Northeast and on the West Coast. Yeah. I mean, those people, uh, they are just morally corrupt and uh, they're taking over our country and uh, it's encroaching upon the panhandle faster than people I think. You know, you mentioned that people here are just hardworking and I think uh, that's a disadvantage sometimes because people here work hard, they keep their head down uh, and to some extent they, uh, you know, they mind their own business up here and, uh, you know, it, we, we're at a point now where we really have to care about what's happening uh, in areas that don't, uh, you know, that aren't right here, uh, you know, in the panhandle because uh, they're influencing, you know, our way of life. I mean, right now, uh, one of the biggest examples I use is our education system. Our education system has been hijacked by the far left yeah. and, and by the liberal press. Um, they have, uh, they're, they're just destroying our, our educational system. They're getting our kids early on in primary school, and then they're just continuing to brainwash them all throughout the, uh, uh, you know, higher levels of education, college, university level. And uh, I, I'll tell you this story, uh, you know, uh, this is this is where it really hit home. Actually, it wasn't too long ago when I came here and I filed for office here. I, I had to go to Austin because you couldn't file in the district because there were uh, 41, uh, because of uh, the number of counties we had here. You had to go to Austin and file. So I drove straight to Austin. And when I got there, I was pulling in the Austin city limits and I heard on the radio that the Austin uh, school board was debating a resolution where they were going to require as part of the required sex education classes for third graders, for third graders, they were going to require that they have some type of instruction or some kind of education on anal sex for third graders. And that's when I realized, you know, uh, it's coming. I mean, it's they've already taken over Austin. They're starting to get Houston and Dallas and, and the big cities like that. But that's the biggest thing that we face in this district right now is the uh, the, the moral decay of this country that's uh, that, that's coming our way. So I was blown away on the when I voted in this primary. One of the things that we voted for, or I voted mm -hmm. for, was should we prohibit parents from altering the gender of a child under the age of three. This is, uh, I yeah. mean, it is insanity yeah. and evil. No, I agree. It, it is pure evil. I mean, and you cannot even understand how that even how that even takes hold. I mean, I mean, it, the area that we grew up in, I can't even understand how that even becomes a conversation. No. Uh, so it, it's crazy. But that's what's happening in this country. And if we're not careful, this country, uh, the, the country that our kids and our grandkids adopt is not going to be anything like the country we grew up in. It's going to be uh, it's going to be so corrupt that uh, it's it's not even going to be worth being here. Yeah. And one of the things that encourages me about the prospect of you being our representative is that you have relationships already in Washington, which it would go a long way in you being able to quickly have a voice and some influence there. Yeah, that's true. You know, that, that's one thing I bring to the fight. You know, we have to tell folks, uh, you know, uh, there were 15 of us before. There's only two of us now, but we still have to 
I still have to tell the voters what I bring to the fight and what makes me unique and why you should vote for me and not for my opponent. And I think the reason is, is because, uh, you know, like I said, uh, I think that uh, God's directed my path here for certain reasons. And there were a lot of things that happened to me along the way that uh, pushed me in, in, into this uh, race unexpectedly. But I think the one thing that I bring to the fight is influence. And I, I tell people that Matt Cornberry has been the congressman for 26 years. You know, he's had a, he's got a lot of influence, a lot of authority. When he speaks, people listen. You know, he's the chairman of committees. He's the ranking member on committees now. But the day he leaves, that 26 years of influence is gone. It's zero. The district's going to have a freshman congressman in. And that person's going to, uh, by nature, as a freshman congressman, have no influence whatsoever for some time to come, for six to eight years, because everything in D.C., especially in Congress, works on tenure. So that person's going to have to be in that seat for a while before they can really independently advocate for people in this district, especially on issues that are specific to the district. Well, I'm the exception to that. And I'm not the exception because of Ronnie Jackson. I'm the exception because of circumstance. Right. If I were telling you this six years from now, if I were telling you this six years ago, it wouldn't, it wouldn't apply. But the reality is, is I just came from the White House and I'm working side by side with President Trump and the cabinet and everybody else in the White House every single day for the last three years. Right. He's getting reelected. That is an absolute done deal at this point. He will be in office for another four years. During that time, I have incredible influence with the cabinet. I know every single one of the cabinet members, whether it's uh, commerce or ag or energy or defense or the VA, they're all friends of mine. I took care of them and their families for the last three years. Right. Uh, you know, when I call, they're going to answer the phone. They're going to know what they can do to help. And, and how they can help me fix a problem. I know everybody in the West Wing, the Chief of Staff, National Security Advisor, Domestic Policy Council, all friends of mine. And if I'm blessed enough to represent this district, I will be the only freshman congressman elected to Congress this year that can walk into the Oval Office unannounced and tell the President of the United States, sir, I have something to make you aware of, and he will stop what he's doing and listen to me. So that just brings incredible influence to the district that the district otherwise isn't going to have for some time to come. I think that is such an important thing for us to remember and to consider uh, in this runoff. And I also want to point out that you do have that kind of influence and you are sitting at Hope Choice with me that nobody knows uh, this morning on your way to D.C. later today. But you made the time to come here because it is important to you what's happening in the panhandle. And that speaks very highly. That's right. I'm, I'm going to be leaving a little bit later today. I've been drawn into the uh, coronavirus issue a little bit. Uh, I'm working closely with the White House on that. I communicate with them every day on uh, conference calls and by email. And so I'm going back for a few days uh, to take care of a few things there uh, and help out with some of that. And I will be at the White House in a couple of days. And I will see the president. Well, tell him we said hi. Yes, ma'am. We're praying for him. That's for sure. Um, anything else that you think is paramount in what the panhandle is facing right now? I think also, you know, uh, one of the things I can do for the district as well, in addition to some of the influence that I, you know, told you I, I can uh, bring to the to the district, is uh, healthcare. Healthcare is a huge issue for everybody in this country, right? I mean, healthcare premiums are rapidly outpacing personal incomes. Yeah. Every single year, it's worse and worse. It's completely unsustainable. So we have to fix our healthcare system. And being an emergency medicine physician, I think that I'm capable of uh, you know, making a big difference in that regard. I can work closely with the doctors' caucus, which I've already been working with for the last year and a half or so uh, as a member, as a senior advisor to the president. I've worked closely with the doctor's caucus on some of these issues. So I think I have a good uh, foundation for making a big difference on health care. I think immigration is a big problem for, uh, for Texas in general, for the panhandle in particular. And uh, I, the president has sent me out to the uh, to the border four times over the last year. He sent me out there to gather information. I'm very familiar with all the issues on the border. I've spent a lot of time talking to Customs and Border Protection, the Border Patrol, ICE, 
uh, HHS, everybody out there. I know what those issues are and I know what the solutions need to be. And I will work hard uh, with the president to fix those. We share the same vision on that. That is great. And I think um, it's a sad and dire situation we face, but it may be a great opportunity for us to make some headway on protecting those borders, which Absolutely. I know is important to yep. all of us. Um, if uh, Tell me about, um, because we're, we're representing Hope Choice today, are you pro-life and how do you live that out personally and politically? Well, I am. I'm, I'm as pro-life as you can get. I'm the most pro-life candidate in this uh, race. I can guarantee you that. And uh, part of that is uh, experience. You know, uh, part of it is I, I just I, I truly believe that uh, life starts at conception and that, uh, you know, God decides uh, uh, when a life starts and, and when, when he uh, when when life is created, you know, none of us, not a single person on this planet has the right to decide whether or not that life continues. That's totally his decision. And I'm a firm believer in that. And I'll tell you, uh, uh, from a uh, personal standpoint, you know, I've been an emergency medicine doc for you know, 25, 26 years now, and I've done thousands and thousands of uh, of uh, ultrasounds. I mean, in the emergency department on a normal shift, I would do 14 or 15 uh, just in one shift, every single shift I worked. And uh, I can see uh, how devastating it is. I've done so many first trimester ultrasounds. And to see, uh, you know, the, the devastation that this, uh, uh, that losing a, a life at that point uh, takes on a woman and the family, uh, you know, uh, just, you know, really hammers home, uh, you know, the impact that that has on someone, you know, and then to have that later on, uh, you know, if, if, if it was an abortion uh, to come back on that person and to have them feel like later on in life that they had some role in that, I just can't imagine uh, the, uh, the burden and the anguish that that creates. So, uh, you know, from a personal experience standpoint, I, I know the, uh, the impact that it has and uh, how important it is. Very good. And I, I definitely know that that is all true. And we do ultrasounds here, and you're right. It changes the game. Oh, it does. It I mean, changes the game. I don't know how you can look at an ultrasound, even a first trimester ultrasound, and you can see a baby with their arms and legs, and you can actually, like you said, see them sucking their thumbs and things of that nature, all these things, and not call that a life. Mm -hmm. it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's, it's not reasonable. Yeah. It's not reasonable. Okay, so last question is, how can people contact you if they have questions or uh, if they would like to lend support to you? Well, I'd say first go to my website, which is at www.ronnyjackson4, F-O-R, Texas, T-E-X-A-S, 1313.com. So RonnieJackson4Texas13.com. If you go there, you'll find access to my Facebook and my Twitter account as well. You can follow me on Facebook. That'd be great. And just, uh, you know, get, get my website and my Facebook out as to many folks as you can. We got to get a lot of folks to vote in the uh, runoff election. Traditionally, a lot of people don't vote in the primary and even fewer people vote in runoff elections. So every vote's going to count. The election's been moved until July the 14th now. The governor moved it because of the coronavirus. So just spread the word. July 14th, get out and vote and vote for Ronnie Jackson. That's great. And we will put all of that information um, in the uh, somewhere on this podcast, wherever you're viewing it, you'll be able to find that website. Um, is there anything that I forgot to bring up or anything that you'd like to add today? I don't think so. I'd just like to tell folks, you know, like I said, you know, uh, I... Uh, 
Uh, I ended up here uh, kind of a circuitous route that brought me here with everything that's been going on for the last few years of my life and, uh, you know, the uh, nomination for the VA and, you know, working for the president and now ending up here doing this, coming home to Texas. Uh, I would just tell folks, if you, uh, if you vote me in and make me your congressman, I'll make you proud, I promise. Well, would it be okay with you if I say a prayer real quick? Absolutely. I would love that. God, we thank you so much for Dr. Jackson, and we thank you, God, for all that you are using him um, for in your kingdom, God, and for this country and for the panhandle of Texas. And God, we just pray protection over him physically, emotionally, and spiritually, God, that you would continue to strengthen him and use him. Thank you, God, that you have given him favor and influence. And God, I just thank you that every step he takes promotes your kingdom. And so, Lord, we just bless him and we are grateful for him, Lord, and help us to know how we can rally around him and be a support and a help. God, we also pray for our president and our country during this time. Lord, thank you that you will give your people wisdom and discernment, God, to overcome the issues and situations that we're facing, all for your glory, God. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you for coming today. Thank you for having me. This is wonderful. We'll have you again before July, that's for sure. All right. Sounds good. Look forward to it. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Candy Gibbs podcast. For more information and other resources, visit candygibbs.com.